God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I do pray that you'll be with uh, many of our singles that are over-worshiping in Harlem right now. Uh, a thousand-plus singles are gathering over there, God, to be together and to worship you. And I do pray for them to have a great time, but I pray for us here as well, that we will hear what you want us to hear, Father, in today's lesson. Uh, God, I do pray for Miss Peaches, and that is uh, Marie Skyer's mom, that she's recovering from her illness. I pray that you will help her uh, through her situation. And I pray, God, that you will help each of us today to walk away different people because of your word. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One other announcement, or two actually. One is that a reminder, November 1st through the 3rd is our Pure and Simple Conference that's going to be here in White Plains. Uh, beyond. Amen. It is uh, going to be a great conference. And again, I know we've talked a lot about it, but if you have individual questions, please see George. Uh, uh, you can see George Boyce. He's over there, his hands up. You may not recognize him because he's lost so much weight lately. Uh, but George Boyce, I wasn't going to tell everybody, but you are slimming down, bro. You're looking good. Look at him. He got his Malcolm X tie on and everything. Uh, but in addition to that, I do want to say a happy birthday to Noreen. Where is Noreen? There she is, right there. Happy birthday to you there. It's good to see you. 27 again. Awesome. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. The title of the lesson today is, What Are You Afraid Of? What Are You Afraid Of? Mark Chapter 4. Now, I grew up in Nebraska, and you know, I said it many times, there's not a whole lot to do in Nebraska. Uh, we cow tipped quite a bit. Uh, but one of the things we did as kids uh, is that we would ride our bikes through the cemeteries, and we kind of uh, play and, and do some mischievous things in the cemetery that you shouldn't do, that's illegal. Uh, but we did things in the cemetery, but it was right around Halloween once, and I will never mess around with a cemetery again because I promise you I saw a werewolf in the cemetery. I was riding my bike, and we were in there kind of moving some things around in the cemetery, and uh, all of a sudden we saw something run across uh, the, the, the grass, but it wasn't running like a dog on all fours. And it looked really weird, and all of a sudden it stood up, like on one leg, but it had two other little leggy things moving. And then it went back down. And then it started running after us. So I threw my bike down and started running. You would think the bike would be faster, but not in my mind. <laughs> I started running. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I wasn't even a churchgoer, but I was screaming for Jesus at that time. And I got out there, and my friends, everybody went their own directions. But what it actually was, it was like, I don't even know what kind of breed. It was a dog, but it only had three legs. It was missing one of his legs. So it wasn't walking right, and it was like crooked and standing up, and I just knew it was a werewolf. And so I just left, and I was so scared of werewolves all my life. And so I was scarred, but... uh as I was running, I, I was running screaming, Jesus, why? Jesus, why? You know, because I'm thinking, why now? I got a lot of years ahead of me. I thought that was it. But there's a lot of questions we ask Jesus, don't we? When things go on, we want to know a lot of stuff. Why did this happen? Why did this not happen? Or why is it like this? But 
Today I want to talk about a question Jesus asked his disciples. We have questions for him, but yet he also had questions to ask. And in Mark chapter 4, let's start in verse 35. Mark 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it nearly it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Does anybody remember those movies, Pirates of the Caribbean? It was five different movies that they had. And uh, one of them was, well, they're all about Captain Jack Sparrow. Johnny Depp was playing the captain. And in the very first one, um, the, the ship was called the Black Pearl. In the very first one, the captain of the ship turned over to one of his sailors and he said, Arr, there'll be monsters. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? But that wasn't a unique saying for just that movie. That's something sailors have said for hundreds of years. There be monsters. There be monsters. And I started thinking, why? What, what does that mean? Well, then I, after looking it up, in the British Museum in London, there's an old sailor's chart drawn in 1525 outlining North American coastline. The person who created the map did so from information provided to him by other sailors that were going out. There were notations where reefs would be, where the best harbors would be found. But there were certain sections of this map that was left blank. And then inside the blank areas, there were words like, here be giants, here be fiery scorpions, here be dragons. In other words, here be monsters in these certain areas. Ever since man has gone out to sea, sailed on the sea, they've always been afraid of what's out there. Now, many of us, after watching Jaws, have been afraid of what's out there. I was so, I didn't take a bath for like a year. I was so scared. I thought it was in the tub. But the unknown has always feared people when you get out on the sea. But we have a lot of fears. How many of you guys are afraid of snakes? Okay. How many people are afraid of dogs? How many people are afraid of the popo? <laughs> See, there's a lot of things that can cause us fear. You know, growing up, my dad was a big time fisherman. I mean, we fished all the time, every weekend. And uh, he would like to fish for catfish at night. I mean, literally all night. And then you leave in the morning at daybreak. And my mom would go fishing with him all the time. And then we had like huge lakes out there, like miles long. And so my mom would fish with him, but then when I got older, she stayed home, and I was the one that would go out and fish with him and stay up all night. And we fished in the day, but he really liked it at night. And so later on, I asked her, kind of recent, I was like, you know what? I've always wondered, why did you always go fishing with my dad at night out in the middle of the lake 
and you can't even swim. I'm thinking if anything happened, not only could you not see where to go, but you just can't even swim. So why would you fish every weekend with him like that? And she said, because I just wanted to be with him, because I loved him. And I'm thinking, you would go out there and risk your life for fish because you loved him. She said, yeah. And you know, that was one of the things that I really admired about my mom, is that she would do things for the love of her husband that would seem crazy, that would just be like, that's just weird. Why would you do something like that? But for so long, if you think about it, we teach our kids fear. Fear is not necessarily an unhealthy thing. There's an unhealthy fear and there's a healthy fear. You think about it, you're walking across the street and little Billy starts to go out there. You say, wait, wait, don't go out in the street, little Billy. Well, why? Because a car may come and hit you. What have you done? You just struck fear in that kid to make him more cautious of what's going on. That's a healthy fear. You may say, Susie, don't go swim by yourself. Why? Because you may drown. Make sure you have somebody else with you. You're again teaching them fear. You may see little Charles over there in the corner with his fork about to stick it in the wall socket. Don't do... Actually, what are you going to say? Boy, get your hand out of there! That's more of what's going to happen in that case. But you're going to strike fear in them. And just the voice of mom or dad saying that, you know how sometimes your parents can just give you a look that strikes fear? You don't even have to say nothing. Just, I remember my youngest daughter. I'm going to bust you out for a minute, Grace. We were at home and something was going on. And she said, Maurice, what do you think? And I, Maurice? Girl, don't you ever call me by my name like that. I mean, just the thought of that. I mean, I gave her the look. You know the look I'm talking about, y'all, right? The look that, yeah. And she's never done that again. That's why she's still here with us today. But a healthy fear is nothing wrong with that. Even God calls for us to fear him. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 10, verse 27, says, fear, the fear of the Lord adds length to life. Even Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 17, 1 Peter 2, 17 says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. And there are some people who get uncomfortable when we talk about fearing God. So they like to water it down a little bit. And they say, it doesn't really mean fear God, it means to respect God. Well, I don't agree with that. Because the Bible says fear God, that means the Bible means fear God. If it meant respect Him, it would say respect Him. But God makes it clear multiple times, not just once, where he says to fear God. Why? Because we need a healthy fear of God. So when we look at this story, here we are, Jesus is out here, and he's rebuking his disciples for being afraid. Look at what it says in verse 40. Again, Mark chapter 4, verse 40. It says, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We would look at this and we think, okay, why is Jesus getting on them for being afraid? Because it seemed very reasonable that these guys are, are professional fishermen. This is what they do for a living. 
Jesus starts out, he's out preaching, he has a long day, he's preaching and teaching, and then he says, guys, let's set the boat out. So they get in the boat, they start going out, all of a sudden, they get a couple of miles out there, and the wind starts blowing, and the boat is tossing and turning, and water's coming in the boat, and they're looking around, professional fishermen, I'm sure they've seen storms before, I'm sure they've seen and know of people who've gone out and not come back because of the weather, so they are scared, that means this is a serious situation. And then they look over, Jesus knocked out, sleep, gone. He's just secure in his own self. They get so bothered, they wake him up, screaming at him, don't you care about us? Don't you care if we're going to drown? Jesus gets up, calms the storm down. Then he looks at him, why are you so afraid? Now, when you look at this, you think, why is he getting on him? But honestly, if you look at it, it's one little word that is in that phrase that makes a big difference. Again, in verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Now, that word so in the Greek is hotu, which means in this way or in this manner. So literally, Jesus was saying, why have you become afraid in this manner? Or in other words, why are you reacting to the situation like this? So how did they react to the storms that were coming their way? One, they panicked. Two, they became angry. Again, look at verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, why were the disciples asking Jesus this question? Some people speculate the disciples expected him just to get up and just you know, calm the storm. I don't think that's true because in verse 41, after he did comment, verse 41 says, they are terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So they weren't expecting that to be the result. So they were so mad that they literally yelled at Jesus. You know what? That's what happens when storms hit us sometimes. I've seen many people react like this. Even when people try to help and comfort them, they even get angry at the people that are there to help comfort them. Because sometimes that's how we react when storms come. But Jesus says, why are you so afraid? In other words, why are you acting like this? Do you still not have no faith? You know, this was very early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, he had selected his 12 people. Uh, he did a couple of miracles. Mark is very specific about the miracles. He talks about how he healed lepers and uh, demonic people. And uh, he even gave the apostles the ability to cast out demons. So you look at this and you think, if they had all, they, they've seen Jesus do all this. Jesus even blessed them with special abilities. Why did they panic? And why did they get angry in this storm? Well, here's the answer. They, they still hadn't learned yet to look for Jesus for their answers. They still hadn't learned Jesus is the answer to whatever's going on. The storm came up. They got upset. They started panicking. Why? Because they weren't in control anymore. See, they couldn't control that. You can't just get out the, well, Jesus could, but they couldn't just get out the boat and walk away from it. 
Many times we get angry, we get frustrated because we can't control those storms that are in our lives. And you know what? Look over in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Now, I believe this situation was engineered to teach these disciples about faith. You say, why? Because these were the guys that were to carry the gospel message throughout the world once Jesus left. So it it wasn't about, let me teach you how to preach. Let me teach you how to view things. He had to teach them about their faith. And this was a faith issue. It wasn't a storm issue. It was an issue of going to Jesus for the answers or taking control of it yourself. And that's what many of us do sometimes. When we get stressed, when we get frustrated, when we get uh, anxious, we want control of things. Instead of looking to Jesus to be the answer for our situation. Christian writer C.S. Lewis once wrote, You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say you believe a rope is strong as long as you're tying it with a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a cliff. Wouldn't you first then discover how much you really trusted it first? I believe this storm. God didn't just let this happen. God allowed this storm to occur to see how these disciples would react. It was designed to see, do they really trust Jesus? It was designed to push them off the cliff of being a casual follower of Jesus. Now, again, when we go through storms in life, why? Because they're here to teach us something, to change us, to challenge us, to increase our faith. That's what these storms in life are about. God's not going to cause it, but he can still bring about good from those things. Did he cause what happened to Job? No. Satan did that. Now, he allowed Satan to work, but he didn't make it happen. See, we can't blame God for what's going on. It may be Satan doing that, but God may allow it to happen for our faith to grow. So the issue is, how do you look at the situations that's going on in your life? How do you look at what's going on with your finances? How do you look at what's going on in your marriage? How do you look at what's going on in your parenting? Do you see this as something God is challenging you to build your faith, to help you look to Jesus for the answers instead of Steve Harvey, to look to Jesus instead of Oprah? I mean, we're quick to get on Google and figure out what Google says. What does Jesus say? If that's the answers, why are we looking elsewhere? When Jesus is right there for us to know. It's only in the midst of a storm that we really learn how much we trust Jesus. Sunday morning, everybody trusts Jesus. Jesus, Lord, Jesus is good. Oh, God, yes, Lord. And then your assessor arrived one 20 minutes late. Throwing a fit. They bring the wrong food out to you when you go out to eat. 
hissy fit. How much do you really trust and shine like Jesus? See, it's easy to believe in him when it's sunny outside, there's no wind, waves are calm. Oh, yeah, we can ride in the boat then. But then when that boat starts rocking, when the evangelists say next month we're going to increase our contribution by one dollar. How do we react? We're making a change. We're not going to have Bible talk. We're going to start discipling. How do we react? It's a discipling movement, and we're going to start doing that. Do we panic? Do we get angry? Do we just not show up? Do we just not do it? See, the issue is, are you looking to Jesus for the answer? All this shows whether or not you trust Jesus. It's not about church. We blame church for everything. It's not about church. It's about you and Jesus. I've been saying that for two years, and I'm going to say it for 22 more, as long as I'm here. It's about you and Jesus. It's not a church thing. It's not a Bible talk or a preacher thing. See, these disciples, oh, they were strong when Jesus was casting out demons. When they were feeding people, they handing it out. Yeah, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. Then they get out there, and that storm came up. That boat started rocking. They forgot all about those miracles Jesus did. It wasn't about that anymore. It was about, oh, don't you care about us? What's going on? You're going to wake up this sleeping man. He was calm. He was enjoying his sleep. I don't know what he's dreaming about, but he was enjoying himself. And they woke him up angry. Now, that's a whole other sermon, but let me kind of touch on it for a minute. When somebody wake you up and they angry, we don't always get up happy. And you sleeping that good that even the storm can't wake you up? Think of how Jesus even woke up and he, you know what? Let me just take care of the situation. He was calm when he woke up and he dealt with it. And then he went and dealt with them. Guys, this says something here. How do we even react when people are coming to us with situations? Again, there's a lot of lessons in this story here. But they were so angry because they couldn't change their situation. Only Jesus could change it. You know what? Again, when I've had personal encounters in my life, I've, I've, I've gotten angry. Again, when my daughter, we found out she was deaf. I got angry at God, at the doctors, at genetics, everything. I'm like, why? Why would this happen? And it wasn't even me. It was her. But I, you know how things like, it's your kid, so it's me too at the same time. But frustration comes when we can't control things. But the answer is Jesus. And so we can sympathize with these guys because this was a bad storm. Their life was in danger. But they forgot to realize they had the answer right there with them the whole time. It was Jesus. But how did they even approach it? They didn't didn't approach it the right way. They were upset. Don't you care about me? Guys, I'm sure all of us, I know I have, at one time or another felt like, why are you doing this to me? Why me? Of all these people, why can't it be somebody else? I'm giving my contribution. I'm coming to church every Sunday. Why me? Why? Because it's not about contribution or just attending church. It's about your faith has got to grow in God. Years ago, there was an evangelistic meeting, and the speaker was explaining what it means to abide in Christ 
and to trust him completely in every trial. Concluding his message, he repeated the same phrase several times. Trusting Jesus in your trials means that in every circumstance, you can keep on saying, for this, I have Jesus. At the end of the meeting, there was a time of testimonials. The young lady who had been on the piano stood up and said, I have to leave shortly, so I'd like to be the first to testify. Just a few minutes ago, I was handed a telegram. It read, Mother is ill. Take train home immediately. When I saw those words, I knew today's message was meant for me. My heart looked up and I said, For this, I have Jesus. And instantly, peace and strength flowed in my soul. After pausing a moment, she continued, I have never traveled very far before, but for this, I have Jesus. And for all the strain and suspense that goes in the thought of my mother's severe illness, I praise God that for this, I have Jesus. You know, at the beginning of the sermon, I told you about the ancient map that was on display at the British Museum. Before the map made its way to the British Museum, however, it was a prized possession of a British explorer by the name of Sir John Franklin in the 1800s. But in spite of his value, Sir John Franklin was offended by the fear that the ancient sailors had. So he scratched out the inscriptions and in place of the phrases, here be giants, here be fiery scorpions, here be dragons, instead he wrote, here is God. Fear is a real emotion that we have, and it often cripples us, paralyzes us. We all have fear, but here's the thing. You're going to have fear, just don't let your fear control you. You're going to have fear, but the answer is always Jesus. So, whatever it is that we fear, we need to scratch it out and say, here is God. Because no matter what's going on, for this, I have Jesus. When you get home and you're having a hard time in your marriage, you need to say, for this, I have Jesus. When your kid comes home and they're acting like baby, you need to say, for this, I have Jesus. When you look at your checkbook and it looks like it's not going to be sunny skies this next week, you need to say, for this, I have Jesus. When you go outside and your car won't start, eh, eh, eh. For this, I have Jesus and AAA. We need to always look and see whatever it is in my life, whatever the problem, whatever the storm may be, for this, I have Jesus. That is what we need to walk away with, regardless of what it is, for this, I have Jesus. Amen.